You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, serving you up quick-hitting news and analysis for Green Bay Packers fans. I'm joined by my friend Gil Martin, and my name is J.J. Leahy. Gil's a writer for thesportsdaily.com and Cheesehead TV. And in addition to this podcast, I host The Daily Cheese, Green Bay Packers News Update. We're here to talk Packers because we're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. We're fresh on the heels of last week's 42-21 win, over the Detroit Lions, we're looking ahead to the New Orleans Saints. Gil, can you talk to us about last week's game? Yeah, real great performance by the offense. You know, they score 42 points, and when you analyze the game, they easily could have had more. They actually left some points out Mm -hmm. there on the field. The defense had a rough start giving up touchdowns on each of the first two drives, but then holding the Lions to just seven points the rest of the way. And I'll tell you, after two weeks, this Green Bay offense looks to be operating at maximum efficiency. In week one, they got it done with the passing game, and Devontae Adams uh, and Aaron Rodgers had fantastic games. In week two, the running game was the catalyst, with Aaron Jones being a big part of the uh, ground attack and also catching passes out of the backfield after Devontae Adams went down with an injury. Right now, it looks like this offense is hitting on all cylinders and is making a nice year two leap in the Matt LaFleur system. I couldn't agree more. We got 85 points scored and uh, 1,000 yards of offense over just two games. Gil, this is, this is something really special, and I hope that Packers fans are really savoring it. Uh, this is, you know, back in 2010, 2011, we had this elite powerhouse offense uh, in Green Bay that we have been talking about for 10 years now and going, man, wouldn't it be great to see something like that again? And we are witnessing that right now. You don't see this kind of an offensive performance hardly ever around the league. It's just it's just really cool. It has been great to watch. And you know, the the whole key for the Matt LaFleur offense is deception, where you can either run a run or a pass out of the same formation. And that little instant of hesitation that a defensive player has when they're not sure what's coming at them is enough to get a player open in the passing game or to give the blocker an advantage over the defender to open up a hole in the running game. And we have really seen the Packers just moving the ball almost at will over the first two games. Now, obviously the Lions and the Vikings defenses do not look anything like the 2000 Baltimore Ravens or the 1985 Chicago (laughs) Bears, but it's a very encouraging sign. And, you know, the fact that they were able to do it with the passing game, mostly in week one and the running game, an emphasis there in week two really bodes well for the way this offense can, you know, it's like pick your poison. They can do it any way they really need to do it. That's a great point. The Vikings definitely bet on trying to shut down Aaron Jones. And so Aaron Rodgers tore them up through the air surgically. In week two, the Lions realized we can't sell out to stop the run. We have to focus on also eliminating Aaron Rodgers. And when they did that, 
you saw what happened. Aaron Aaron Jones was the um, uh, he was the uh, offensive player of the week. Uh, the the FedEx uh, Ground Offensive Player of the Week. Uh, he had just an electric game, and he carried the ball a ton. I believe he had twenty two carries. Yeah, he had a lot of touches out there, and that was good. But you know, the other thing that I really liked when I looked at the statistics and also watching the game, Jamal Williams average. Oh yeah. You know, he was running the ball hard, had big holes in between the tackles and, you know, he was averaging six yards, practically a carry. Whereas Jones, especially after that 75 yard touchdown dash was averaging eight or nine, but even the backup running backs were getting big holes and that offensive line, which has been dealing with so many injuries, absolutely held its own, did a very good job of opening holes against Detroit. And I'm not saying you or I could have done it, but almost any serviceable (laughs) running back could have had a good game the way those holes opened up against Detroit. That's true. Our offensive line, for the record, uh, as of uh, when we're recording right now, week two, we're the best offensive line in football. And there has been a remarkable leap from 2019 to 2020 in their run blocking ability. In fact, the only offensive lineman who doesn't have a significantly higher PFF grade um, in the run blocking category compared to the rest of the NFL would be Elton Jenkins, who happens to be our most elite pass blocker. So I'm fine with that. And Gil, one of the really exciting things um, about this Packers offense Like you said, there's a lot of deception here. There's a lot of throwing the ball out of run formations. One of the things that makes it so cool is that Matt LaFleur wanted to do this kind of stuff last year, and he didn't really have the pieces he needed. This year, he's got his H-back, Josiah DeGuara. He's got Tyler Irvin to handle those jet sweeps, which really put a massive strain on defenses. We don't have to watch Geronimo Allison plotting out there and doing his jet sweeps anymore. Thank God. I'd much rather watch Tyler Irvin and the occasional Alan Lazard who, man, Alan Lazard is a lot bigger than some tight ends in the league. It's kind of, uh, it's, it's really a thing of beauty. You know, you watch other people blocking for him. And then when it, it comes time for him to go mano imano against a defender, He's massive, really hard to bring down. So, Gil, I just have really enjoyed watching Matt LaFleur finally have all the different pieces he needs to fully realize his offense. Yeah, it's been great to watch. And the thing I love about Irvin, you know, he may only touch the the ball three to five times a game. Mm -hmm. But even if you put him out there and you fake something to him or you just put him out there and let him run a pattern in a passing play, the defense has to respect that and they have they to be have aware to. of it. And as a result, you're opening up the field for somebody else. And uh, again, the integration between the run and the pass, between the jet sweeps and the screen passes and the crossing patterns that we've seen in the first two games, it is work like clockwork and it is a thing of beauty right now. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I'm going to transition over and talk about some roster moves. Uh, and some injuries that we have here because there's a bit of news on that front. The injury report came out today. We finally saw 
uh, Lane Taylor moved to IR. Not really sure why it took so long to move him over there because we knew without a doubt that his season was over. Um, my, my guess is just that the Packers didn't need his roster spot. I mean, they already had another one open that they weren't doing anything with yet. They haven't figured out who they want to put on the uh, on the roster. I was kind of expecting them to possibly promote uh, tight end slash H-back John Lovett uh, because they did elevate him from the practice squad for two games already, which is the limit. If they want to play him in New Orleans, they are going to have to promote him full-time to the active roster. And I, I think that's a very realistic possibility, and he fits in very well. Look, Matt LaFleur loves his H-backs. He wanted to draft DeGuara because of his skill set. I think Lovett has a similar diverse skill set where he could catch passes, he can run block, he can pass protect, he can get all those things done and line up in multiple different areas of the field. So to me, you, you've got a couple of roster spots open. He would be the top candidate from the practice squad players to fill in. It makes a lot of sense to me. And uh, Matt LaFleur has hinted about wanting to keep um, involving uh, Lovett and players like Lovett uh, out of everybody because we do have two roster spots open right now. We are at 51 out of 53. It seems it seems like Lovett's going to get promoted before the New Orleans Saints game. Uh, keep in mind, we are going up against Taysom Hill in New Orleans, um, who does get used in a lot of the ways that the Packers like to use DeGuara, that they like to use players like Lovett. Not saying that there's any sort of a correlation there with in terms of we might see Lovett because we're seeing Hill, but it is it is just uh, an interesting comparison in how how those players all get used. We also had uh, there was a signing today. The Packers signed tight end Nakia Griffin Stewart. Uh, he's going to be wearing number eighty, Jimmy Graham's old number. And to make room for him, oh, by the way, they signed him to the practice squad. Right. To make room for him, they released tight end Greg Roberts, who has never really impressed me a ton. No, can't say that I had high expectations for Roberts at this point. (laughs) (laughs) We got some good news today. Uh, Back in practice, finally, outside linebacker Randy Rambo Ramsey. Uh, He's a guy that I have really loved for a while. Uh, He was a prediction that I had to make our 53-man roster. And then he got hurt, and I didn't take him off my list. I was hoping that he'd come back. It started to look really unlikely, and then almost out of laziness, I never removed him from there. And thankfully, he made it. I'm really glad glad we have him. We also got tight end Josiah DeGuara back in practice today. Right tackle Billy Turner played. I expect he will possibly get moved back to right guard now that uh, now that Lane Taylor is gone. I think Billy Turner, although I'm not the biggest fan of his skill set. I think he probably is going to be a better option for us at right guard than Lucas Patrick, who has been filling in. And there's a chance we might need Lucas Patrick at center. Uh, Corey Lindsley has a hand injury and it is an injury to the hand that he snaps the ball with. Gil, can you tell us um, do centers need their hands in order to play? Oh, big time. Uh, I mean, an offensive tackle needs it in a different way. But if you're snapping that ball 50, 60 times a game and your hand is sprained or bothering you, that that 
creates all kinds of problems because look, let's face it, your your hand has got to grip that ball and then you've got to start blocking somebody as well. And yes. as far as Lucas Patrick goes, he has had some uneven performances early on, but kudos to him. He's already played left guard, center, and right guard in just the Pretty first evenly. two games. Yeah. Pretty even even distribution between the snaps. Yeah, and, and he's filled in admirably. I'm not going to say he's an all-pro, but he's gotten the job done. He had, I think, one particular play against Detroit where he gave up a sack uh, or a pressure, but... Overall, you know, he is he has been more than workmanlike and steady and his versatility. Another one of the things that this coaching staff emphasizes all over the field, but especially Mm -hmm. on the offensive line has really come in handy for the Green Bay Packers so far this year. I couldn't agree more. We do have some bad news when it comes to injuries. Uh, Devontae Adams and Kenny Clark both missed practice today. Now, today's practice is not as big of, um, I should mention, we're recording this on Wednesday. Wednesday's practice is the one they missed. Thursday's practice is potentially um, more indicative of whether or not they could play on Sunday. That's when the Packers usually do their uh, fully padded practice. Usually, if a player misses Thursday, they miss Sunday. Uh, We also had um, Montrevious Adams... Um, and uh, then the, the aforementioned Randy Ramsey and Josiah DeGuara, those three were all limited in practice. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if we get Montrevious back. Um, his injury really has seemed to me to be uh, a, a little bit more serious than what they have been letting on. Yeah, I think that's probably right. And and it's one of those nagging injuries that, that don't necessarily... It's not like one of those injuries that's going to completely incapacitate him, but it's going to hamper his ability to play and it doesn't heal quite as easily. Those soft tissue injuries can take a long time to heal. And, you know, in the NFL, one of the most important abilities is availability. And for someone like Montrevious (laughs) Adams, he has had a lot of frustrating injuries over the course of his brief career. Yeah. This, this most recent is a toe sprain, um, I have had some sprains before. You usually don't talk about them as being um, really that bad, but a, a toe injury, I think, hits a little bit differently. When you play defensive end, your feet really matter, and your toes are so key in your balance and your avail- your ability to get moving quickly. As silly as it sounds, Montrevious's toes are one of the one of the key uh, physical parts to being able to do his job at all. Um, I would I would say you know much higher than something like his fingers. Right, and and the other thing you need your toes for as a defensive lineman, especially if you're playing on the interior, is to change direction. And yes. you you yes. know if you're rushing the passer or trying to stop the run, you know. If there's a misdirection play or a rollout or whatever it is, you need to change directions in order to be effective and get to the ball. If you can't push off on that toe, that makes it that much harder. Gil, can you give us uh, your key factors for success this week uh, against the upcoming Saints? Well, there's a lot of key factors looking at this game with the Saints. And obviously, to me, the first thing is you got to protect Aaron Rodgers. Uh 
you know, you, you, you look at him and so far in two games, only been one sack. You look at the numbers he's put up. He's had more than a 100 passer rating in both games. That to me is going to be a big key. And then just to give one key on the other side of the ball, slowing down Alvin Kamara to me is going to be vital. He is one of those guys who can beat you running. He could beat you catching passes out of the backfield and the Packers have to be ready for him to be the main focus. I think of this saints offense in this week, three matchup down in new Orleans. I have to agree with you there for sure. And one thing that you and I were looking at before we started recording is how well the Saints pass rush stacks up against the rest of the league, because they do have guys like Cam Jordan, uh, who are really, really good. And this year, so far, we're only two weeks in, they seem to be underperforming a bit when it comes to specifically their pass rush, which could be good news for us. They, they have been uh, grading out well against the run, but what we saw last week was that the Saints had to load up the box with eight defenders to stop Josh Jacobs in Las Vegas. If they do that, I mean, the Vikings didn't even do that against us. <laughs> and I love Josh Jacobs. I think he's an extremely talented running back. Aaron Jones put up better numbers than Josh Jacobs did last year. And Aaron Jones has demonstrated that he has the potential to be the most dangerous weapon that the Packers have outside of Aaron Rodgers. So if the Saints have to focus so hard on stopping their the run, which is something that, you, that most people consider the Packers needing to do, if the Saints need to work that hard to stop Josh Jacobs, if they have to do that against Aaron Jones... Aaron Rodgers and whatever receivers he has, whether that includes Devontae or not, they're going to feast. Yeah, they they would have an opportunity. And again, that's where pass protection is going to come in. Because if Rodgers has time to throw the football, the way this offense is designed with the crossing patterns and the misdirection and that, you know, running different plays out of identical formations, that's enough to get somebody open. And I think, you know, you you throw the ball a lot to the running backs. The one thing we haven't really seen a lot of that I think we could see a lot more of in week three, getting the tight ends more involved as receivers. We haven't seen a lot of that yet. Uh, Obviously, some drops by Jay Sternberger are Mm -hmm. a concern. Uh, Robert Tanyan got a little bit involved. Mercedes Lewis made one catch as well. But overall, I would not be surprised to see the tight ends have a slightly bigger role or Tyler Irvin uh, as receivers in week three. I agree with you. I think Bobby Tanyan is going to have a big game. Um, he's he's currently uh, tight end number one for the Packers. Uh, and you saw last week against Las Vegas, Darren Waller feasted the Saints had a really hard time covering tight ends. And while the Packers, at least so far, right now, they don't have a uh, an elite tight end room, You know, we know that's where they like to go. What they do have is Alan Lazard, who is built like a tight end and who we use frequently 
similar to a receiving tight end. Uh, he's he, and and then I'm also going to throw Josiah Deguara in there. Mm-hmm. Both of them, they have these massive bodies, and they do a fantastic job boxing out defenders like a basketball player, using their body as an extra weapon at their disposal, an extra tool at their disposal to protect the ball in a different way than what you normally see receivers doing that. And, and even a lot of tight ends. I think that if LaFleur uses Lazard and DeGuara, you know, effectively, we could see them, especially if Devante misses this week, we could possibly see them as the number one and two uh, targets in this passing game in New Orleans. Very, very possible. And, and you like those big bodies and, and, you know, I'm going to say this. Would it hurt Jimmy Graham so much to watch a little film of what DeGuara and Lazard <laughs> do? You know, Because he didn't do it at all last year. But uh, that's just a brief aside. Well, and, and he was too busy um, tripping and stumbling as well to focus on any kind of, you know, blocking other uh, blocking defenders out, at least after he caught the ball. Yes, I do. I do have to cover the Saints injury report. They are slightly more banged up than the Packers, just slightly. Uh, we had two players who missed practice. They have three. Um, both teams are missing their star wide receiver. Michael Thomas has an ankle injury. Our Devonte Adams has a hamstring injury. Both players seem about equally likely to miss this game. And that really could be the key difference maker in who wins is do does one of these receivers come back? Neither of them, both of them. Uh, the the Saints are also missing defensive end Marcus Davenport. He has not t- taken a single snap at all this year. They are also missing linebacker Chase Hansen, and then uh, also along the defensive line, this is more good news for us. Defensive end Trey Hendrickson, who is Davenport's backup, he's got a groin injury. He was limited in, in practice. You have to assume he will play, but he may not play as well as normal. Right. Uh, and then defensive tackle Malcolm Brown has a foot injury. Gil, what we saw last year in the Eagles game, the Chargers game, and both of the 49ers games where the Packers played their absolute worst. In those games, the opposing defenses were able to get to the quarterback with just a four-man rush. They never needed to blitz. That left them free to put seven guys in the backfield and shut down the remainder of our passing game. If the Saints are not able to do that, I think they'll have a an impossible task ahead of them trying to slow down the Packers' offense you and I both feel confident that the Packers could hang up 35 points against the New Orleans Saints. We think that's very reasonable. Yep, absolutely. I, I think the way this offense is running right now, the way the Saints defense has been playing so far this year, I, I think that there's no reason the Packers can't put at least 35 points on the board. Gil, give me a game strategy. If you are the New Orleans Saints, how do you stop the Packers? It isn't going to be easy. And I, I think the key, if you're the New Orleans Saints, you know, both Minnesota and Detroit 
picked different aspects of the Packers offense to try to slow down. If Devontae Adams is not in this game and I'm the New Orleans defense, I have to try to focus on stopping Aaron Jones and make the other Packer receivers beat me. Now, that means you're putting the game in the hands of Aaron Rodgers, which is always a dangerous thing to do. But to me, you you try to take out Jones first and then try to get some pressure on Aaron Rodgers, whether that means you have to blitz occasionally or mix things up in that sense, uh, you do it. But if Devontae Adams can go and is effective, that creates a much bigger obstacle for the New Orleans Saints. So to me, first they have to stop the running game and then they can try to stop the the passing game primarily by pressuring the quarterback if uh, they can limit the Packers rushing game and force Rodgers into third and seven, third and nine, third and 12. Those kind of situations would certainly be beneficial for the New Orleans defense. Offensively, if I'm the Saints, I'm running a lot of Alvin Kamara in this game and a lot of Jared Cook, mostly throwing short passes, trying to match either Kamara or Cook up against the Green Bay linebackers, whether that's Christian Kirksey, whether that's Chris Barnes. Uh, those are matchups, I think, that would favor the Saints and maybe even some Taysom Hill also, because A, Hill certainly remembers being released by the Packers, and B, his size and his ability to line up in different places on the field can cause some confusion on the Green Bay defense. So primarily, I would go passing short to those players first and then mix in Kamara and Latavius Murray running the ball as a secondary way of moving things. Yeah, I like that plan. And it's worth noting Latavius Murray played in Minnesota for quite some time. He's very familiar with the Packers and is used to trying to run against them. He might have some similar success to Dalvin Cook. Mm -hmm. If I'm the Packers trying to disassemble the New Orleans Saints defense, which I think... I think is going to be a lot easier than stopping their offense. But for the Packers offensively, I think you got to I think you have to focus on attacking the middle of the field. Uh they they do a good job of shutting down a lot of the big plays, a lot of the deep passes. They do struggle throwing uh covering tight ends. And, and again, the Packers don't have the best tight ends in the league. That's definitely a direction that the team is trying to go, but you can't just snap your fingers and wish for that overnight. I think you still trust Bobby Tanyan. I think you've got to trust Jay Sternberger. He's a talented kid. He struggled a lot last week. He had two or three drop passes at least. I think you got to get Jace and Rodgers on the same page help build that kid's confidence up, continue to target him, and then lean heavily on Josiah DeGuara and Al Mazard. I also think if you continue to mix in run attempts all night long and try, don't ever give up on the run game. Try and force the Saints to keep loading up the box and taking extra DBs off the field. If you can do that and and force them to keep respecting the run game, 
then I think you have the best op the best odds of Aaron Rodgers being able to surgically tear the New Orleans Saints defense apart. Now, when it comes to stopping their offense, this is a little bit trickier because the Saints have one of the best offenses in the league. Now, the narrative this past week around the NFL has been the perceived decline of Drew Brees. He has not thrown deep balls at all in the last two years. You got to go back to 2018 to see the last time, I believe, the last time he threw a ball that went for 20 yards before it got caught. Some of that is probably exaggerated. Some of that also probably is adding fuel to the fire for Breeze. He's going to have a bit of a chip on his shoulder to come out and say, hey, I'm still the man. I, I still got this. I'm, I'm concerned, and I know you are as well, that a chip on Drew Brees' shoulder could be bad news for us. Last year, when we went out to California and played against the Chargers, who were a bad team last year? They won five games. One of those was against the Packers, and it came on the heels of a week where the Chargers were mocked mercilessly all week long for their, their, their poor turnout of fans the previous week against the Steelers. It looked like a Steelers home game. And the narrative was, there's a lot of Packers fans in L.A. So the Packers went in there, and the, the Chargers defense had a massive chip on their shoulder. And they played extremely well. And this terrible team shut us down. So I am concerned that we might see a vintage performance from Drew Brees with all that added motivation. Yeah, that's definitely a concern of mine. Look, Drew Brees is going to the Hall of Fame five years after he retires. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And when you have a, a guy who's been a consistent winner, who's played at a Hall of Fame level, who has led a team to a Super Bowl and done as much as Drew Brees has done, the one thing you don't want to do is give a guy like that extra motivation. Is Drew Brees the same quarterback he was five years ago? No, he's not. But is he still good enough to beat almost any defense on any given Sunday? Absolutely. Hey, Gil, let's do some fearless predictions for this week. I predict that the Packers' run defense is going to get a lot better this week. The Packers' defense, especially along the defensive line, is really the same that it was last year in terms of personnel. We had really no losses along the defensive line among our line, our outside linebackers. The, the defense last year had stints in which they were elite at shutting down the run. They shut down some huge name running backs last year. And then you had games like against the 49ers, especially the championship game, where they looked terrible. And we have seen through the first two weeks, that's the defense that has been showing up. Well, Matt LaFleur noticed big time on last Sunday in Detroit. He was not happy. He said that at halftime that he went for it a couple times on fourth down in the first half, specifically because he didn't trust his defense. Well, they play a lot better after halftime. He clearly gave them some motivation in the locker room. I got to imagine he chewed him out a bit as well. And I think 
He's going to ride them all week in practice. And I think we're going to see a revitalized, refocused defensive line that is playing up to their talent level. And I think that they'll do a better job of shutting down Alvin Kamara than what everyone's expecting. I hope that is absolutely correct because it will be a big key to winning this game. I I have uh, as my fearless prediction that Alan Lazard will lead the Packers in receptions in this game and that Lazard's uh, ability, especially on third down. One thing about Lazard, uh, six of his seven catches this year have resulted in Packers first downs. And I, I think that he will have a big game against the New Orleans Saints and be a difference maker on Sunday in a game that is going to be a high scoring contest when all is said and done. Hey fans, if you have questions that you would like us to answer in next week's mailbag, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at J-J-L-A-H-E-Y, and we got at Gil Packers. If you want to get, you know, not as good of answers from Gil, you can hit him up too. If you want your questions answered by, you know, a smart guy, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Either one of us, though, you can hit us up on Twitter. We both love to talk Packers with fans. Hit us up, give us your questions, and we'll answer them on the show next week. Always good to hear from our listeners, and we welcome your input, your questions, your comments, and uh, hey, uh, be great to talk to you and, and answer some of the things that are on your mind. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week. We'll be back next week with some great Packers talk right here. Remember to follow us on Twitter. Again, that's at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. Make sure you're subscribed to No Huddle Radio on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, carry the G and go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com